Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Moving into what's next. Um, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. How are we doing tonight? Repeat after me. Say, ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. You know, sometimes you just need to enjoy the presence of the Lord. It doesn't have to be intense all the time. God actually brings joy that rejuvenates you. And so God, I thank You that You're here. I thank You that You are for us. I thank You that there is no demon, no darkness that is greater than You. When You show up, Everything gets messed up, every demon leaves, every shadow gets lit up by You and that we can come boldly to You in Jesus' Name. And everyone said? Amen, Amen, Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joel. How you doing? You right? Awesome. If you got your Bible, why don't you turn to John chapter 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 8. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8 says this, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you have been clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. I want to talk around this topic of the ease of fruitfulness. The ease of fruitfulness. Bump your neighbour, say, it's easy. Bump your other neighbour and say, it's easy. Have you ever ever met somebody who's just really good at what they do? Really good at what they do? Like Pastor Joel tonight spent two hours on that Nord. Anytime he wants to transition to a different song, he just flows straight in. He's like just super gifted and it looks so easy to him. But if I was to sit down there and try and do it, we would all come to be aware that it's not that easy. When Pastor Corey gets up and preaches, it it just looks like it's easy. It just flows out of him. It's like when I lead worship, it looks easy. It's easy. (laughs) Thanks for that vote of confidence. You know, when I was learning to play golf, um, I, my uncle taught me how to play and, uh, and I'd often go to the driving range and I'd get really frustrated. 
because I'd try and hit this little white ball as far as I possibly could. And, uh, and I had a friend of mine who now actually plays professionally and, and we sort of would play a little bit. And every time I would see him play, it would, be like, it would be like watching poetry in motion. He would hit the ball so far with such ease that it would frustrate the daylights out of me. And one, I just would get frustrated. It would be the harder that I swing, the harder that I go at it, the more the ball seemed to go left, right, or maybe just in front of me. And you know what I've found about my walk with Christ is it's the same thing. There is actually an ease at which you and I can enter into His presence because of who we are. But yet so many of us see other people around about us and we think, oh man, I've just got to pray harder. I've got to do harder. Like until I get a vein popping out of my forehead, then I really haven't prayed hard enough. I've just got to do it. I've got to fast more. And it's like, it seems to be that the Christian walk starts to appear to be so stressful and so, so full on. And it's like, it's not appealing to anybody. And then you meet those that just seem to be every, every prayer that they pray, God answers. Every word that they declare, God starts to speak through and people are in weeping and tears. Why? Because there is supposed to be an ease at which we go about our life in Christ. You're not supposed to bust your poopoo valve serving God. Some of you look like it. It's actually supposed to be easy. In Matthew 11, Verse 30, it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you have ever gotten home at night and, and, and you go in and you flick the light on and, and, and it lights up the whole room, right? How many of you have flicked the light on and nothing happened? That ever happened before? Now, here's the thing. You don't question the power of the light. What do you do when it doesn't turn on? You check the globe. Can I just say for a moment, that there is no demon in hell that comes anywhere near close enough to what Jesus has done for you and I and where He has positioned you. We need to get to such a place that it's like flicking on a light and every time I flick on the light, every time I declare the name of Jesus, every time I pray to my Father who is in heaven, it's like demons tremble and darkness is eradicated. Why? Because it's who I am. Am and, who Je- and where Jesus has positioned me. There is an ease at which you and I should be walking in our life. Demons should not stress you out. And many times what I've found is they will make the biggest song and dance to try and freak you out. But you know what I've found? I lean into the Prince of Peace because I know as I lean into the Prince of Peace, His name has power. The Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every demon will run in hell because of the name of Jesus. So I just don't freak out. I've I've determined in my life that my Christian walk, I'm going to ease my way into fruitfulness. I'm going to ease my way into fruitfulness. So the question then becomes, well, how do we actually do that? The first thing that I I believe we need to do is you actually need to know what your role is because it positions you for fruitfulness. Knowing the role that you play eases you for for fruitfulness. When I was playing cricket, 
We had a really great team. Um, in about 2009, we went on to win the flag. And uh, we had a couple of guys who played Premier Cricket here in Melbourne who were phenomenal cricketers. And so every time we would start a game, we would sit down as a team and we would discuss what the role of each person is. Do you realise that you have a role to play in the Kingdom of God? And so as we would sit down, we would talk about what the role was. My role was what was called seeing off the new ball. Basically what that meant is I would go out first, I would open the batting, and my main role was not to score 100 runs was not to be not out at the end. My main role was to make sure I had not gone out until at least over 15 to 20 and made sure that the ball was no longer new. To give you a bit of understanding, when a ball is brand new, it moves a lot more. So my role was to make sure that I wouldn't go out in those first 15 to 20 overs. That's all I needed to do. And I actually got a green light that if I was still there, I could just hit the ball as hard as I wanted to because it didn't matter, because it was setting the team up to actually propel in those next overs. Can I tell you, we need to understand the role that we play because when we start looking at somebody else's role, I wanna play that role, I wanna do that thing, all of a sudden you're not playing as part of the kingdom team, you're playing as yourself. And there is a fundamental difference. As we see in this verse, in verse 1, Jesus speaking, He says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. So you need to understand that in this particular analogy illustration that Jesus is communicating to His disciples is that God is the vine dresser. What's the vine dresser do? He determines how the vine is going to grow. He determines how it's going to grow. He prunes it and we've actually read how he prunes it and he cuts other things off so it will maximise its fruitfulness. The Kingdom of God is actually there to maximise the fruitfulness in advancing God's Kingdom across the planet. But you know what you and I do? We try and play that role. Oh, I'll be the captain of my life. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my life. I know what, I, I can, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to be so great. And all of a sudden we step out of our role and into a place that we were not created for and not gifted for and we wonder why we end up in frustration. Because you were never called to be that. In verse 5, Jesus says that I am the vine. And you are the branches. The second thing is Jesus is the vine. The vine is the place at which everything the branches need in order to produce fruit comes from. Every source, every bit of nutrient, everything you need. In fact, it goes on to say that without Jesus, without the vine, you can do nothing. Nothing. Jesus is the one that we connect our life to. I see this happen so many times where people forget to actually respond, wait and lean in to Jesus, where are you right now? See, when Pastor Corey is up here and he's walking around like this, do you know what he's doing? He's going, Jesus, where are you right now? I want to partner with what you're doing. Because it's not him who delivers people, it's Jesus' power that delivers people. 
It's not your gifting that delivers people. It's the, it's the anointing of heaven that breaks bondages and heals the sick and casts out demons. Can I just give you a newsflash? You're actually not that good. I love you, but you're actually not that good. But you know what happens when you start to realise what your role is and you play it? I tell you a freedom that happened to me. Before that year, when we would sit down and discuss what, um, what our role was to play in that cricket team, I averaged about 20 runs uh, an innings. I averaged about that. At the end of that year, my average went to 45. Why? Because I wasn't thinking about trying to make 100. I was focused on what my role was. And you know what happened when I played my role? I actually got to that point and then I got a green light to flow and to do whatever. And I made more runs than I could ever imagine. You know what I found about the kingdom? As I recognise my role, God responds and says, I can entrust you. I can give you more. I can give you more responsibility. I can ask you to do things. And there's a freedom that flows when we understand the role that we're to play. Last thing is that we are the branches. John 15.5 says, you are the branches. Now, the branches have an important role because the branches are where the fruit is developed, where the cluster of fruit is developed. Do you realise that in your DNA, you are made to bear fruit? It's actually part of who you are. It's easy. Like, it's what you are supposed to do, how you were made. It's in your DNA. But yet, because of the way that we think, we stop the very thing that we were designed to do because we think that we need to play a role we were never created for. How many times do we just try and do it all and, and try and do all this and, 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 and pray into that and, and we see no breakthrough? Yet when we lean into Him, when we abide in Him, the Word says, then all of a sudden things start to flow freely. Things start to happen. I am so thankful that we are in a house where our leader is like, I don't care what the run sheet is. I don't care that we're two hours in. We're following what Jesus has done. We're following what the Holy Spirit is doing right now because we will see far more fruit as we follow His example, as we follow His leading than whatever you and I can plan to do together ourselves. There is an ease at which you and I can do it. Can, can I just say this? So many times I actually feel like the way that we think robs us of fruit and fruitfulness seasons in our life. We try and prove ourselves. We try and make it happen. This has happened in my life. I, I, I'm, I'm that kind of personality. I want people to like me. I, I like that kind of thing. I love hearing positive feedback, all of that kind of thing. But what I've found is so many times I, I would perform in order for people to like me instead of leaning into what he had said and being obedient. And I want to tell you tonight that I am coming after an orphan spirit in people's lives tonight. I'm coming after it because the moment you're set free from trying to prove your way into a family is the moment everything changes. If you, you cannot steward revival with an orphan spirit because you don't even know what family you're from. 
You cannot flow with what God's doing when you're always trying to perform, do the right thing, say the right thing. No, it's actually the fact I am a child of God. One of the things that people ask me all the time is, Dave, how did you you let go of being a senior pastor to be a young adult pastor? I'm like, that's fundamentally the wrong question. It is the wrong question. I don't do what I do in order to feel valued. I do what I do because I'm a son of a living God who says I can trust you, I can abide by you, I can move through you. We need to start asking the right kind of questions. We need to know the role that we're here to play. So when we know our role, that is to abide, our role is to abide and the result is fruitfulness. It's really that simple. Like just know your role, play it, and fruitfulness will come. Like, like it's really that simple. Know your role, play it, fruitfulness is a byproduct. I, I love in verse four it says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you realise that John had a revelation of this unlike anybody else? He mentions this word abide 11 times in this particular chapter, 27 times in his gospel. And I actually feel like there is a a particular part in John's story where all of a sudden we see this revealed. Turn to John chapter 13, verse 21. To set this up, this is where Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's having a meal with his disciples, the people that he had spent three and a half years with. And we pick it up in verse 21. It says, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked. Sorry, let me try that again. When the disciples looked at one another, uncertain whom he spoke. So I want you to picture this, right? They're at their last supper. Jesus is visibly shaken up, the disciples can sense it and he says something. And the disciples, the Bible says that they all of a sudden were a bit rattled. Is it, is it me? Is it, is it me? Now let's look at John's response. Verse 23, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. Do you know what that tells me? He knew it wasn't him. His posture is different. He's not asking the question, is it me? No, he knows who he is. He's reclining at the table with his Saviour while everyone else is freaking out. Do you want to know what it looks like to abide in Jesus? It looks like abiding when everyone else around you is like, oh, did I make it? Do I do all the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And you are sitting there going, I'm okay because Jesus loves me. I'm called because Jesus loves me. Not because I've done anything special, but because of who Jesus is. It's not your works. It's not your your amazing talent. No, it's all who Jesus is. Goes on to say that Peter, Simon Peter, motioned to him and asked Jesus of whom he was speaking. So the disciple leaning back against Jesus said, Lord, who is it? In other words, in his posture, he leant in. His posture determined how he was abiding in his Saviour. I wonder how many of us, when things don't go the way that we thought, 
Recline into the arms of Jesus. Recline, rest our head, our heart upon the very Saviour who died for you, who loves you and said that He will take you with, take Him with you to heaven. That He prepares a table for you. That He has a seat for you in heaven. We're seated in high, in heavenly places, the Bible says. But yet, so many times we allow the things in our world to totally distract our focus from what God is actually doing. There's an ease to fruitfulness. There's an ease to what God wants to do if we posture ourselves. Peter may have had the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, but I reckon John had a revelation of what it was to abide. Peter had a revelation, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one that we're all looking for. But yet there's a difference between recognising who Jesus is and actually knowing what it is to abide in Him. There's a fundamental difference. And we need to be a people, as we steward revival, as we do what God's called us, we need to learn the ease of which God has called us to walk in and lean in to what Jesus is doing. It's not about whether good days will come and bad days will come. The Bible says they will come. The question is, where are you going to abide? Are you going to abide in the frustration that you have or are you going to abide in who Jesus is? I want to recline at the feet of Jesus. I want to rest my head upon Him knowing that He holds me in the very palm of His hand. I mean, get that for a moment. You're held. Pastor Corey said I think it was this morning, I don't know, it's all bleeding into one, that the very molecules of who you are are held together by God and His Word. You are held, you are valuable. Don't allow your mind to disrupt or take you out of a place of abiding. You don't need to prove that you abide, you just abide. There's an ease at which this happens. There's an ease at which you and I can abide. This word abide means a number of different things. The first one, the abide means to stay and to await. In other words, to linger. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31, it says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, our world is a go, 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 achieve, 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 strive for success, Hashtag no days off. Hashtag hardest worker in the room. Hashtag you're an idiot. (laughs) But do you know what the kingdom of God is? (laughs) The kingdom of God is more like what Pastor Murray says. Assemble the position. Assume the position. It's actually your heart posturing. I, I know that there is stuff going on around about me, but I choose to fix my attention towards my saviour my King, my Lord. He's the one who has the answer. I I can't give you the answer for what I'm going through. I don't know the way out, but I know He does. So I'm going to rest in Him. I'm going to recline in Him. This is what it means when Pastor Corey says, get out of your head and get in your heart. Oh, I love you, Jesus. In fact, just do that right now. Just become aware of Him. He's here. There's nothing like the presence of Jesus. There's nothing like the presence of Jesus. Many times we are too quick to move on right in the midst of where he's ministering. 
where he's wanting to do something because we're so enamored with the next thing and the new thing. We're so fixated by the lights, the bells, the whistle, the new thing that we actually forget what it is to just sit in his arms and abide. There's an ease at which fruitfulness comes about. You know how you you realise that you've slipped out of abiding? King Saul did this. And there are often three things that, that come your way when, that are challenging your ability to abide. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8 to 14, it's the story where uh, King Saul, sorry, King Saul is, uh, is oppressed by the Philistines. They're about to come and attack him. And the nation of Israel are, are like, King Saul, what do we do? What do we do? How are we going to do this? And, and he knows that he needs to go to the prophet to get a word from the Lord on what to do. He knows that. And so the prophet says, I'll be there in seven days. The first day comes and goes. He's hearing reports. The Philistines are advancing. They're coming about. Come on, won't you do something? Day two, day three, day four. They're closer. They're closer. There's more pressure to do something. Day five, day six. And I can imagine... King Saul is like sleeping on day night six and he's like, tomorrow I get, I get to hear the word of the Lord. Day seven comes and the Bible says that Samuel doesn't show up. And so in his fear of what the people are going to do, in his fear of what the enemy is going to do, and his disappointment about the promise, he decides to do the thing that he should never have done. He goes and makes an offering to the Lord that was never his role to play. And you know what the byproduct of it was? That was the end of his kingdom. Don't become pressured into doing something you were never called to do. Don't allow what people say about you, their opinions of what you should be doing, distract you and cause you to do something when Jesus has said, you just need to abide in me. Don't allow the attacks of the enemy to dictate what your response is going to be. No, go, Jesus, I'm going to abide in you. This is coming. I'm scared. I'm not sure what to do, but I choose to focus on you and not what the enemy is doing. Do you realise what captures your attention is often the direction that you head in? (laughs) So many of us are so fascinated with what the enemy is doing And we get so stressed and worried. Now, when I say that, I've been there, I've done this too. And yet all of a sudden we get in a meeting like this and you know what happens? We all of a sudden move our focus from what's coming against us to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and it's like just having a bath or a shower. And all of a sudden you go, oh, man, why was I worried about that? I mean, you're King Jesus. You hold the world together. That's abiding. It's becoming consciously aware of him. You, you know you can live this way every day of the week. This isn't a Sunday experience. This isn't the old covenant where they had to wait for the year of Jubilee to be right with God. No, 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 no. Because of what Jesus did, you step straight and go, okay, I quiet the noise. Jesus, come speak. We need to learn what it is to, to stay a little longer to wait a little longer on Him. The other thing that this word abide means is to persevere. And I love the definition of persevere. 
It says to continue in a course of action, even in the fact of difficulty, even in the face of difficulty. In other words, abiding doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. That's maybe not a great illustration right now in these times, but you get what I mean. Sometimes you and I have to learn what it is to persevere. And there is this fight that goes on between our mind and our heart. And whichever one wins is the environment that we live in. I need you to understand this. If you cannot get out of your head and into your heart and abide in who Jesus has said, you will live according to what your mind thinks is the right thing to do. And what you've done is you've just placed yourself back on the throne of your life, the Lord of your life, and you are determining how that's gonna run. The problem with that is up until this point, you've done a horrible job doing that, me included. We need to have some perseverance to endure. You know, these meetings have kind of gone and we've hit a new record tonight of two hours. And, uh, and that's, it's amazing. But I, I can just think, you know, endurance happens through consistent abiding every day, doing it a little bit longer, a little bit longer, and you get used to that. You become aware of that. Like if we had have just said to Pastor Joel, right, you're going to play for two hours tonight, you're going to lead the team for two hours tonight, straight away, we may have had to pick him up off the floor. But there's been an endurance that comes about being in his presence. There's an endurance that comes about when you abide in the midst of, uh, of stuff that's coming against you. And here's the thing is that it's not, a, it's not the thing of trying to work your way into the presence of God. You can't work your way in. That's what orphans do. That's what performers do. No, I come as I am. Warts and all. Ugly things, things I've met. Some of you think that the reason God doesn't move in your life is because you haven't sinned the week before. Can I tell you that's got nothing to do with it? If you think that, then you actually have a performance mentality, not a son mentality. Because a son goes, God, I messed up. I come to my father. You can make it right. The other day, my son, who's just an energizer bunny, and we're, we're, we're out, and, and he loves to run, but then make sure, like, look back that dad's still kind of following him. Well, this day he was running. He turns around, trips, and skins his knee. He comes turning around in tears, running back. After I had told him six or seven times, watch where you're going, Dad, it hurts. It hurts my knee. I'm like, that's what happens when you don't look where you're going. But I don't turn to him and say, ah, you need to fix up yourself first. No, what do I do? I pick him up. I comfort him. In the midst of his pain, I address the wound. And I say, it's all right, bud, go again. And I'm an earthly father. I've got donuts on God the Father. <laughs> the last thing abide means is to remain and to endure. Some of us just need to not quit. Like just not quit. Can I tell you, I, I, I left the, the, I'm not sure about ministry, I'm not sure about the call, I, I left that shut a long time ago. I don't care what I'm in. I know I'm called. I know I'm anointed. And I don't care what it looks like. Why? Because of my son. God will look after me. 
He'll provide a way. I've just chosen, I'm just not going to give up. For some of us, it's been difficult because in season after season of disappointment, can I just say your breakthrough is not far away. Just don't give up. When uh, I've shared this story once before, but me and my mates, we used to um, go tubing, which is essentially speedboat on a lake with a big tractor tyre connected with uh, a long bit of rope. And so we would, we would jump in and, and we would fly around and as young boys would do, we would have competitions on how long you could be there for, how fast you would go, all of those kind of things. And, uh, and so we would, you know, spin around, people would go flying off and we'd all laugh and it'll be great. It came my turn, I jumped in there and I'm, I'm like, I am not letting this go. Like there is something that all of a sudden just came upon me, I am not letting this sucker go. And so I'm holding off, they start running, like going flat out, they're moving here, it's, it's, I, I am not letting this thing go. All of a sudden though, because of the tube and the size that I was, my hips start to sink into the middle and my board shorts start to fill with water. And I'm like, that's not good. But I've made a decision, I'm not, I'm not letting go. So... I'm holding on and they just keep filling and filling. And so I go to kind of move and adjust to just get myself right. Bad move. <laughs> All of a sudden, like a kite. <laughs> I have a decision to make. Do I let go swim over to my board shorts, put them back on and, you know, oh, no. So by this stage, my friends in the boat have seen my board shorts go off and they go, he's taken, let's get him. And, and so they, they go around and I'm like, I'm not letting go. I'm just not letting go. And all of a sudden in the distance, I can see like this lovely family. They've come on retreat. They're bathing over there. It's beautiful. These are the kind of friends that I have, right? Let's really get. So they start driving straight for them. I get thrown off and I'm like, huh? I tell that story as a funny story, but the reality is some of us need to have a determination. No matter what comes against my way, I'm going to hang on. I don't care what it looks like. Like, some of you are so worried about what God is going to make you look like when He comes powerfully upon you that you're so strong. Oh, no, nah, this far, no further. No, you need to have a bit of tenacity. I'm just going to hold on and hold on. If my dignity is taken away, so be it. Why? Because I get to capture heaven. I get the person of Jesus. Jesus was naked on a cross and you're worried about what your manifestation's gonna look like. Jesus died the most excruciating death and you're worried that a few friends who are so-called friends are gonna leave you because you've become a bit radical for Jesus. Come on. Like, we got to let that thing go and learn what it is, the ease to abide in Him. I remember when I was 15 years old, I was lying in my bed at night. And I, I, I sat in bed at night as a teenager, wrestling through all different things. And I just happened to put some headphones in, put some worship music on. And, and I just started to say, God, I, I need you. I need you. I need you. And I have never felt, the only way I can describe it is I'm lying in my bed and it's like God just came and absorbed me. And I, and I was captivated. 
And in that moment, I knew everything had changed forever. When I woke up the next morning, I still had to deal with some of the things that were going on in my life. But everything had changed because I just assembled the position. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it is. I'm just going to learn to abide. As the team comes back, one of my prayers, which is a dangerous prayer to pray, is the prayer of Gideon. Gideon's in the wine press. And, and he says, God, an angel of the Lord comes and visits him and says, mighty man of valor. And the Bible says from that moment that God put Gideon on like a glove. He, he totally absorbed him. And my prayer is, Jesus, I want to be totally absorbed by you. You can't, you can't perform your way into that. You have to allow him to come and do that. You can't work your way into it. It's not through your works. It's not through your efforts. It's by seriously just coming saying, God, here I am. With all of the stuff, all of the baggage, everything that's going on, here I am. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.